0: We head into the final weekend of the 2022 World Cup here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We did it. Pat yourself on the back. Shake shake the hand of the person next to you. If there is somebody next to you, congratulate them on muscling through this. Great job, everyone. And we have the big game on Sunday as France takes on Argentina. We'll have a full preview of that in a moment. But first, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Available where all podcasts can be found. You can see us here in visual format on my YouTube page. There are my social media handles. Like and subscribe. Hit that thumbs up right now. Good. That makes a big difference. So we certainly do appreciate that. As it has been throughout this World Cup, the O G World Cup Daily brought to you by the fine folks at Farmer John. I saw a comment there that says I'm... I'm giving uh, Farmer John a good good comeuppance here. (laughs) And of course, because it's delicious. You go to the grocery aisle and you get your classic bacon or thick cut bacon or smokehouse bacon, and you prepare yourself a wonderful breakfast, eggs, hash browns, a little avocado, aguacate. One of those words that sounds so much better in Spanish, aguacate, maybe a little jalapenos. Toast, you're on your way, nice cup of coffee. Get ready to watch the game. As has been the case throughout this World Cup, so many big news stories have been breaking, and we are here to talk about them. And the most recent one is the news that FIFA wants to have a 32. Well, they're actually put it in; they've locked it in pretty much a 32-team Club World Cup in its current format, which will be held in February. They also announced that that it's going to be February 1st to February the 11th, so about six weeks away. They will have. The Club World Cup in Morocco. So all this is new. Six weeks out, now we have the announcement. There was some doubt that we would have a Club World Cup here. I do enjoy this competition. So it will be Real Madrid and Flamengo. Seattle Sounders, those are three of the seven teams from around the world. Uh, a Real Madrid-Flamengo final would be just, uh, you know, Flamengo is the most popular team in the world. and has the most fans for any club. And they are the Copa Libertadores champions. It's the first time an MLS team has been there. So all of us here in the U.S. and Canada can get excited. Remember, Tigres got to the final a couple years ago. They uh, they upset Palmeiras. So a breakthrough for CONCACAF. That's the biggest achievement by a CONCACAF club ever. Beating Palmeiras and getting there into the final. So uh, very exciting stuff there. And obviously, Real Madrid brings so much clout. So you know, it's hard. To, you get similar results. It's very rare you get a result like Tigres. It's normally Europe for South America in the final. Usually, Europe wins. It is uh, what we have had uh, when it was the Intercontinental Cup, where it was just the European and um, South American champions. So uh, this has been a big push for FIFA. They've wanted to expand that. They were going to do it in 2021. It was going to be a 24-team tournament in China, but the pandemic... Uh, took that off the calendar. So now, while the world is gathered in Qatar, Gianni Infantino dropped this one, a 32 team. That's a lot of teams. On the surface, it's great news because for us, uh, this is an opportunity, as we have said, ad nauseum on this program for whether it's national teams or club teams here in North America and the rest of the world, to get a shot at the big European names. So this is great. I applaud it. I would love it. 32 teams, what is that? At least six, seven, eight European teams? So just think about it. It could be Real Madrid and Manchester City and Bayern Munich and PSG, whoever, uh, whatever the qualification looks. I imagine since it's going to happen every four years, I don't think I said that, you'll get the champions from that and then maybe a few others. Maybe mean a couple MLS teams, an expanded, maybe a League MX team. You'll get some teams from Asia and Africa. And, you know, they always have a team from New Zealand or uh, Oceania. To fill out the numbers, a 17 team tournament doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But uh, here we are, and a 32-team. you It sounds great, but you think of the logistics. Yes, it'll be every four years. But the real estate in the world of soccer has been getting eaten up. Up and we have to take into consideration the players. FIFA has already inconvenienced the players by having this winter World Cup, inconvenienced the leagues, and making probably making a lot of enemies in Europe and UEFA, which is a problem because as we have also pointed out here, UEFA makes the soccer world go round. They are the power brokers. This thing doesn't happen without them. Whether it's the national teams. Whether it is the clubs, we were uh, a couple bounces of the ball from having four European semi finalists again in this World Cup. Thankfully, Morocco and Argentina were able to emerge. But you would think, in uh, in a more traditional World Cup, we would get back to European dominance. They hold all the cards. They have all the infrastructure. They have all the fun. They have all the money. They have all the best players and not so much on the national team, certainly on the club scene. And they, are, uh, in the last few years, have separated from the rest of the world. By the way, FIFA also discussing the uh, possible reformat of the 48-team World Cup. Uh, they wanted to do 16 uh, groups of three teams where the top two teams had emerged to a knockout of 32 teams. I mean, that would be insanity. So now maybe 12 teams of four, which makes sense. I don't know how they would do it. Maybe you have 24 teams make it, and then you have... It'll still be a 32-team knockout, I think, which is a lot. Maybe you give some teams some buys. I just don't know. But uh, a 32-team knockout stage is going to be really wild, and we don't know what the results will look like, uh, which is interesting. Quite frankly, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like. So FIFA's going to keep working on that. We'll see what that looks like. Now... Uh, a spokesperson for UEFA said the major problem FIFA have is the bulk of their revenue comes from the World Cup. That happens only four years. So FIFA wants a bigger piece of the pie. You have the regional competitions. You have the Champions League. You have the leagues. This is all making a lot of money for everyone involved in football slash soccer. But FIFA wants it. And what they are looking at is a graph, a chart graph, where the World Cup is... Um, I think they had like an eleven billion dollar number attached to this. Five billion viewers worldwide. They had uh, an f- average of fifty-three thousand people per game. Uh, one point seven million visited the FIFA Fan Festival, and I mean everyone watched it. And they're, they're 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 lauding it as the greatest World Cup ever. And just because it's the most recent one, gives it a huge advantage. There's a lot of money going into this. And, you know, it was, a, it was uh, for the naked eye, a very good World Cup. And it was well attended. It was well uh, contested. And now there's, uh, there's always FIFA there on the lookout to expand it. I want to share a tweet from Jamie Carragher. I think he said what a lot of people are thinking. This is the tweet. Like the ridiculous idea of FIFA World Cup every two years, this is another one from Infantino. Players need rest at some point. They're getting treated like cattle. FIFA hate the Champions League and want something similar themselves. European clubs should boycott. Very interesting. Jamie Carragher, Carragher really hit it on the nail. The players do are being treated like cattle. So if you're an international level player, if you're not, it's great. You'll get your summers off, etc. But if you are an international level then uh, the demands are very severe, especially this year. Ever since the pandemic, it has been games, games, games. Remember when Thibaut Courtois mentioned that, and obviously his Belgian team fell short here, but I'm sure he was somewhat relieved that he could get away from the game. I mean, just in that, you're going to have a moment where some players probably retire early and say, I want to spend time with my family, Uh, I want to represent my country, but not at this level. Maybe they skip some tournaments. It's going to happen. It hasn't really happened, which just shows you how FIFA really has everyone uh, by the short and curlies. They have the, because everyone wants, the World Cup is so huge that everyone wants to be part of it. So uh, FIFA feels like they have the cards and that's why they pitch a a World Cup every two years, which I don't mind, but you can't have everything. And this Club World Cup, imagine if you're a player who plays for one of these top clubs, plays at the World Cup, plays in the Euros uh, or the Copa America, uh, long runs in the Champions League. You are going to be a cadaver after all of this. So, And I would ask you this too. Do you want FIFA in charge of all this? After what we have seen and the way they've handled this, where they just didn't care. It was about the bottom line. The crazy things that Johnny and Fantino said about Qatar, the fact that they backed away and let the host do whatever they wanted. Uh, do you want FIFA in charge of this? I know there's probably not the greatest people in charge of UEFA or other governing bodies. It's not the uh, squeaky, clean uh, profession that uh, you might find elsewhere. There's corruption in different levels, and there are some, there's money exchanging. there's so much money, and it's going to people. And it's probably not going to the masses, even though it does. FIFA does get that money out. In the case, there's so much of it. We don't really know. We don't have the transparency. We don't have the oversight. So the Club World Cup, um, again, I, I, I'd love to see it in that format. I would get pumped. Uh, it's once every four years. So I think this takes a, a World Cup every two years off the table. But it was interesting what Jamie Carragher had to say about the Champions League. Because remember the Super League. The Super League tried to diminish the Champions League by getting all those great teams involved. And then the protest came, the Champions League survives. But the Champions League's already been taking shots at twice. So when that happens, you have to be concerned about the Champions League. And that is UEFA's big baby. And it is the biggest club competition. And we all love it. So, but the fact that people are trying to undermine it and get a... Their own mini Champions League or something along those lines is of concern, and UEFA has to be paying attention. Now, when they did the World Cup and the Winter World Cup, I was somewhat surprised there wasn't a pushback. And Jamie Carragher, and the Premier League in particular, because the Premier League is at the top of the pecking order, and they make so much money. I mean, we were talking. I tweeted that the winner of the World Cup gets 42 billion. Well, you, getting promoted to the Premier League gets you two, three times that. So the Premier League uh, is probably looking at this and very concerned about FIFA pushing in on their turf. And this could be a very interesting moment in time in my estimation because UEFA has a really good portfolio. You have the Champions League. You have the European Championship. It's going to be held in 2024 in Germany. The 2020 edition, which was held in 2021, Felt like a World Cup. It was the biggest addition. You had a final worthy of a World Cup. It'll be hard-pressed for France-Argentina to match what we saw with Italy-England in 2021. They have a property on the international level that is not the World Cup, but creeping up to that back bumper. I kid you not. You don't have to deal with the logistics. You don't have to worry about involving Costa Rica and Saudi Arabia. We like to see those countries, but they don't bring that much to the competition by and large. In the business end, you see the European teams. I think in 2024, the European Championship is going to be so huge that UEFA is going to start plotting. And they'll, we'll see what they do with the Club World Cup. I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if they just release eight teams for this 32 teams means you're playing for three weeks at the minimum, probably a month. I'm surprised they came in with 32 teams, maybe 24, maybe 16. To go from 7 to 32, it's a huge leap and very arrogant on FIFA's part. But getting back to the Euros, what if UEFA decides to take a piece of the pie? In the case of, we're not going to send our teams to the World Cup and maybe they create their own World Cup. It wouldn't take a lot. I mean, obviously this would be, the independent um, federations would have to look at this, but what if UEFA had a European championship and they took the best of elsewhere? They invited Brazil and Argentina. Brazil, Argentina, maybe Mexico and the US. I know Mexico and USA don't have that uh, pedigree, that those two, but they have a lot of money and that's more eyeballs and that's where UEFA can expand. You take those teams, maybe Japan, and then you tell the World Cup, have a ball. You essentially have a World Cup there. They wanna protect their club game. Why not protect their national team game? We're seeing things happen. We saw Argentina Brazil join the Nations League. You wanna be with the haves and you don't wanna be stuck with the have-nots. The US have been stuck with the have-nots with regards to the Nations League, with regards to the CONCACAF Champions League, they are, you, Europe is leaving everyone behind in the, in the regional uh, sweepstakes. That also includes um, Copa America. UEFA has a lot of chips at the table. And I don't think they're in a position to be pushed around by FIFA anymore. They have the leagues, they have a World Cup in the Euros. They do. You have England and France and Netherlands and Germany and Spain, and Portugal. Just keep going through that list. Sweden and Denmark, North. Erling, Holland. Turkey. FIFA's got to be careful here because I think there might be a breaking point for UEFA. I don't know how they do it. I don't know what the logistics look like. But at some point, UEFA can play their chips, have a power move. They, I mean, they've already bent over for FIFA with regards to this World Cup and the inconvenience that they had to do with their leagues. I think there is going to be a very interesting... We've already seen it with the Super League. People are talking out of turn. People are suggesting crazy ideas, crazy ideas that come to fruition. And by the way, no one's suggesting crazier ideas than FIFA. I want to see the 32-team club World Cup. I want to see my guys LAFC playing in there. But this is going to get messy, in my opinion. Speaking of messy, (laughs) that was a brilliant segue. Um, I don't know if I added two, but they want the Club World Cup to act as like a Confederations Cup. So a 2025 Club World Cup would be in the United States. So more good news. But will we get there is the question. The Club World Cup can go on without the European teams. It would be good with South America and I mean, it would be great for CONCACAF and South America and the best from Asia and Africa. But Europe would still be laughing at that. They have, I mean, those, they have the clubs that people want to see. I, I think there's a moment there where the, you know, the earthquake is going to happen. And it depends on which side you are. And if the U.S. gets any sort of talks from Europe that they want to come over, you jump. You jump. We can now talk about Messi, Lionel Messi, the World Cup. We'll see if we continue to have World Cups. I know I scared everyone with this. I'm just putting it out there because I saw it clear as day. We will preview the dream final, France versus Argentina, Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. That's next on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We are back here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. France and Argentina. Uh, A final that uh, we could have only hoped for. It's going to be fantastic. The reigning champs versus the resurgent power. Europe versus South America. Yada, yada, yada. Messi versus Mbappe. I think to begin this story, we go back to four and a half years ago at the Russia World Cup when they played in the round of 16. Because that was the stimulus where everything changed for Argentina. Argentina didn't look good in that competition. They squeaked squeaked into the knockouts, remember? And they're that team that in the starting 11 against France only had four guys that are featuring here. You had Nico Tagliafico. You have Nico Otamendi. You also have uh, Lionel Messi and Angel Di Maria. And of those, only Otamendi and Messi are regulars, really, in this Argentina team. So much has changed after that result it was an incredible game france four, argentina three remember early in the second half argentina took a 2-1 lead france came storming back uh incredible goal in that game and france advanced all the way and won the world cup argentina started the rebuild that was the end of jorge sampaoli in came Lionel scaloni he would lead them to copa america triumph and now here to this world cup final so the wheels were in motion from that game for this uh, transformation of Argentina to being a team that is a slight favorite to win the game. Although, I look at these two teams, uh, France is better on paper. They have some issues. Uh, the virus is ripping through, the virus has been going through the World Cup, is ripping through the French camp. Five players are dealing with the virus, including Rafael Varane and Upa McConnell, their center backs, Rabiot, um, Uh, Kinsley Coman missed the semifinal because he was dealing with it. So it is a nasty virus. And now reports that Olivier Giroud picked up a knee injury in training and probably not available. There were some things brewing about Karim Benzema, who was initially on the squad and came out, uh, that maybe he'd come in knight in shining armor and rescue the day and become that star striker. From what we are hearing, uh, he's kind of checked out he was invited back to the World Cup. He said no. And for uh, Benzema, he is, he's, out, he's out of contact with the France staff. That's it. So if it's not going to be Giroud, then I, I imagine it would be uh, Touram. But the, the forward pecking order is really, really uh, compromised for France. They need uh, Giroud, who's been sensational in this. And that's a big reason why they're here, is what Giroud has been able to do. It's a big reason why Argentina is because they have a number nine who's scoring goals. But even with Giroud out, you look at the two teams in France are better on paper. Goalkeeper, slide edge, I would give it to uh, Emi Martinez. Although you would take uh, Loris in a, in a heartbeat. Defensively, with Upamecano and Varane, who have been injured or been sick, you still take France. And you also have Teo Hernandez, who to me was the left back of the tournament. Check out my video that I posted yesterday. So defensively, even though have Otamendi and Argentina have delivered the goods here, you would rather, I, I think most people would rather take that French group. Midfield again. Uh, you probably go with what France has been able to do, Ameni, Rabio, uh, Argentina's midfield, not really a strength. You get into the attack and it might be a push with Giroud out with Giroud there. France, I would take Griezmann, Dembele, and Mbappe over Messi, Alvarez, and whomever else Di Maria. So, outside of goalkeeper, I give France an edge, a slight edge in most of those categories, but an edge nonetheless. Um, France don't make mistakes. They haven't looked great in the quarters or semis, but they don't make mistakes. Argentina haven't really either, but it is certainly something that has come into view. And... You figure this is going to be determined by a mistake, potentially. We'll see who makes it. But these two teams have been really clean. Um, Both of them have two World Cup titles. Both of them looking for that third one, which would put them in very elite status. For France, it would put them at number one for me, because they have won three World Cups, all since 1998, and they've played in four World Cup finals during that stretch. Um, This is Game 64 of the World Cup. And... The particulars are riveting. Lionel Messi, he will play his 26th World Cup game on Sunday. That is a record, 26 World Cup games. He has that record for Argentine players after he scored 11 goals. Um, there's not been a repeat champion for 60 years, so France is looking to do that. And they're doing that in the modern age, which is really incredible. Um, but recent developments with Giroud and the virus have to swing this in favor of Argentina. Everything is in Argentina's court, it seems to me. But when I think about it, it's too perfect. And the pressure for Argentina, who have done magnificently, and they had 90000 for an Argentina game at this World Cup in one of the stadiums. This will be at the Lucille Stadium. And the country is completely uh, overwhelmed, as you can imagine. So much pressure on this team. France are obviously playing with pressure, but nothing compared to what Argentina will do. The managers, we haven't talked about the managers. As great as Scaloni has been, I mean, this this World Cup has been an absolute masterpiece for Didier Deschamps. He has pushed the right buttons. You looked at the possession in the games against England. They had 43%. They didn't need the ball, and they won that game. They had 37% against Morocco, got the early goal. He knows how to push buttons. He is the more experienced player. He's played in a World Cup final, and now he is coaching his second. Didier Deschamps is the best manager in this competition, period. So now that I look at all that, I was going to pick Argentina. I think this goes, I think we go to extra time, and France wins at an extra time. I, I can't believe that. I've been against Argentina. I just feel very weird about all the data I'm seeing and how it looks bleak for France, but why should we bet against them in this situation when they have just trudged through here and you know never trailed other than the Tunisia game, never trailed against England, never trailed against Morocco, took the best shots from both of them and were able to emerge. They can't drop any more players. They're down to 24 and now they'll have to see it. Maybe they're down to 23, And we'll see if they can finish the job. I can't wait for it. I'm going to watch this as a neutral, and that is just fantastic. I always pick sides. I always pull for the Americas, and I'll be happy. I want Argentina to win, but I'm not going to be sitting there gripping. I'm just going to sit back with my farmer John Bacon and look at that and say, you know what? Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And we put a bow on the World Cup. Three and a half years, we get ready for the 2026 World Cup. Next week, we have the Premier League back. The holidays are here. We'll be back here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily to wrap up the final tomorrow, our final show. And uh, if I don't get a chance to say it, but I will. I wanted to thank everyone for tuning in. This has been so much fun for me, and I appreciate all the wonderful comments. Keep them coming and enjoy the game. These are precious. The World Cup, even though FIFA wants to do it every two years, it's still every four years or every four and a half years. And here we go. It's going to be fantastic. And we'll see you tomorrow.